0: Welcome to today's Treasury Career Corner podcast with the lovely Brendan Boucher, who is the Group Treasurer Compass Group. We're about to go into the original episode that we recorded back in August 2020 during the pandemic, and they were just about to turn a corner as a business, but food services business, so really hit hard by COVID-19 but then they came back. You'll hear that at the end of the episode. We pick up the story from there in another 40 minutes or so. So enjoy today's episode. Let's get on with it. This week's show, I'm joined by Brendan Boucher, Group Treasurer at Compass Group. Compass Group a world leading food and support services company FTSE 100 listed company well I was going to give you annual revenues but I'm not going to do that I'd rather talk a bit more about Brendan he's been the group treasurer of the company since January 2018 but prior to this and we again we'll explore in the show because we've got some really interesting moves there group treasurer at AstraZeneca Petrofac based in Dubai OMV over in Vienna so it's really encompassed the international moves and things like that but also chartered accountant fellow of the ACT and that's where we are out to really with with Brendan I want to go back to the dim distant days and and how you got there so Brendan take us back to the beginning of your career and how you first got started in finance and then discovered the wonderful world of treasury sir over to you.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mike. I mean, lots of luck along the way, but just in brief, I studied geology at university, yeah. so clearly not a relevant <laughs> degree, but I uh, joined Coopers and Lybrand, showing my age now, which you'll now know is PwC. So I did yeah. my training down in Bristol for five years. And really what sort of kickstarted it all on from for me from there. So a secondment to the office in Moscow it, back in 1995. And it was a real eye-opener, you know, having worked it down in sort of a regional office in Bristol for five years. Four months in Moscow, one summer, really opened my eyes up to, you know, life outside of Bristol and what I'd been used to. So I looked for a, a move at that point into industry. And I luckily, I ended up in Glaxo Welcome in mm. West London, a big pharma company back in the day. And started working as a head office financial accountant, doing consolidations and tax returns, VAT returns, reporting to group and all of this good stuff. Good role, great company. And I, I lucked into to Treasury, uh, oh, I right, think right. is the, the best way to describe it. And Brilliant the, It just came about because my predecessor in, in the, the Treasury role, had, uh, we'd, we'd done some work together on a, implementing a, a car scheme in the UK business. Really? He moved on internally. And was looking for somebody to replace him. Yeah. And he gave me a call. I'd had some interaction with Treasury. And I went and had lunch with him. Uh, he described the role and what the team do in, in more detail. And I said, it sounds brilliant. It sounds absolutely great. I'm super interested. Went and had an interview. And I didn't get the job. And you know, <laughs> fr- from being enthusiastic about it, I was really disappointed about it. But you know, such as luck sometimes. The guy they offered the job to didn't take it. He went elsewhere. And I got the job. That was my move into Treasury. It was my move from a business unit into to head office of Glaxo Welcome. And that's that's how I started. My first job in Treasury was as regional treasury manager for Middle East and Eastern Europe. So basically not doing a front office role or a back office role, but just doing an international advisory role. So I was very lucky mm. to get that opportunity. And that, that was my start in Treasury.
0: Mm. And you grew there sort of. Your experience, and actually, it's funny. We were just talking before the show that Brendan used to work with Sarah Jane, who was our first ever guest, Sarah Jane Hall from GlaxoSmithKline. And we were just going through about what she was like and everything else. Fabulous lady, but you know, you then started your development and just talk us through your GSK time because that was, I mean, amazing that early in your career. And you get GSK, what were they at the time? Were they FTSE 10 even then?
1: Yeah, yeah, d- definitely. You know, so Glaxo, welcome. Merged with Smith Klein Beecham to form yep. GSK. I, I came from the legacy GW side. Uh, Sarah Jane, who was the, the group treasurer post merger, and the other assistant treasurers. My title in GSK was Assistant Treasurer International, which was yes. you know, a great role. So, as an expansion of my Middle East and Eastern Europe portfolio to cover the international region. So, that was in GSK yeah. terms at the time, everything other than Europe and the Americas. So some interesting geographies in that portfolio, and you know, frankly, it was almost like changing companies completely. You know, right. different different office, different colleagues, uh, different boss, uh, different environment. It was an amazing. You know, I, I spent ten years in total with GSK and predecessors. An amazing company to work for. You know, high, highly successful, totally international, very blue chip, and you know, very professional. So it was a great environment in which to sort of learn and you know, to, to evolve from you know, looking after a small portfolio of countries to a large portfolio and, you know, over time picking up experience and increasing sort of responsibility for other things in, you know, in treasury, you know, whether that was line management of the back office, which I did in GSK, or obviously the, the funding and risk management aspects.
0: Oh. And as you say, it was sort of a, it was opportune that you you moved companies, but didn't you think you stayed yeah. same company? But again, it sounds like you got real progression there.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think no, I think this is a key for me in terms of my own experience, and we'll talk about you, you know how people need to sort of develop their careers, but getting as much different experience in, in different places with different people, particularly. Yeah. One, it's been you know very interesting, and two, it's really helped uh, drive my career forward, and you know that was pivotal part of it.
0: Mm. and so it drew, drove me forward. You know, and then talk us through your time because then you made the international move after that. But there was development at GSK. You know, what was that like up to oh six and stuff?
1: Yeah, I think you know the development was great. You reach a decision point. I was assistant treasurer. You know, Sarah Jane was no intention of moving on. Sarah Jane's still the group treasurer, so probably a good move that I did make a move rather than sort of hanging around to potentially move up internally. But uh, no, joking aside, I, I had a decision to make to prolong my GSK career, which meant doing something a bit different, or to pursue my treasury career, which really meant an external move. And you know, I deliberated on it a lot and decided actually the things that I enjoy about treasury were still the things I was enjoying about treasury. Therefore I decided I turned down an internal uh, move into the business and that really was a springboard to, to make an external move. So I started looking Mm. and you know, again, I was lucky, and would say a good background in GSK and a lot of hard work and experience along the way helped. But I, I had a call regarding a job, and I remember talking to the recruiter. Went through the spec in detail, and I said it all sounds great. And He said, "But there's a catch." And I okay. said, "Okay, what's the catch?" And he said, "Well, it's it's an Austrian company." And I said, oh, "Okay, I understand. I don't speak German. I get the catch." He said, "No, no, that's not the issue at all. It's an international mm-hmm. company, but you'd need to move to to Vienna." And I said. That's even better you know without really thinking it through I thought that's fantastic mm. so I was very lucky I was able to make the move from assistant treasurer to group treasurer uh, via an external move and to put into the mix changing sectors so I moved from pharma to oil and gas and changing countries from London and the UK to, to Vienna Austria.
0: And what was it you say you know you were open to that move had you considered international moves before it was that sort of completely out of the blue Something again because we talked earlier on and we're just saying that treasury in your back pocket is fantastic sort of your your mini passport if you like to traveling the world but you know had you thought that yourself or where were you in that thought process
1: to be honest I was looking for a, a group treasurer role an interesting group treasurer role you know, i think having worked in in gsk a very international group that was a, a strength given the experience that i that i 'd had and something i 'd already enjoyed it 's not just about the you know the occasional travel to some interesting places but just the daily contact and interaction with with colleagues from you know all parts of the globe i really really enjoyed that so the, the international aspect was a bonus it wasn 't something I was Absolutely, looking for at the time. The more I thought about it, I thought this is a this is a great opportunity. But a uh, you know a leap of faith. You know, I think there's a, there are a lot of people that would say, yeah, I'd like to work internationally, but to to do it as part of a change of company and a change of industry and a change of job level. in this case from from at to to group treasurer takes yeah. a little bit of courage. Yeah. And you know, it was a step into the unknown. And sort of looking back on it, it that whole experience was probably the most challenging of my career and probably the most rewarding in my career in, in, in sort of equal measures and it certainly requires a strong stomach to take that on.
0: Hmm. You had the stomach for it so you were there for what three years or so and yeah. what was that like And you know, when you got into Treasury there was it a fresh team or brand new or was the established team or what was the sort of background?
1: It's a very established team, very stable team and a lot of experience, you know, and it's probably the the, the first time in my career, which maybe what you'd expect when you, you make the step up to, to managing people with more, certainly in terms of years experience, more experience than yourself. So I had three teams, three direct reports, all with significantly more years under their belt and more experience than myself, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's helpful from a learning perspective, introduces some challenges at, at the same time. So yeah, it's very, very stable team, very successful organization, but a big, big transition to make.
0: Yeah. So you made the move, you'd got yourself established in Vienna, properly feet under the desk and everything else. And then you made another international move. Talk us about that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, as with these things, it, it was challenging. And that period I was OMV coincided with the financial crisis, mm-hmm. so it was pretty stressful. Going for a period where, where liquidity in the market dried up completely and free cash flow dried up completely. You know, with the oil oil price mm-hmm. going from a hundred and fifty to fifty odd, all, mm-hmm. all at the same time. So it was a real it was a real sort of challenging it was a stressful period and you know my wife and i decided look we're gonna we, we that's we've had a great experience loved living there amazing work experience you know, that's the stage of our careers let's let's head back to the the uk that was the plan and i was i had one of those sort of perfect storm situations as i put out feelers and I, I actually had three simultaneous job offers okay. be, be, believe it or not and mr popular yeah. Yeah, well, it was just it was just one of those sort of strange situations. And, you know, one one that felt very familiar and comfortable, which, you know, was had, had its attractions. One was a little bit smaller, but different, which had its attractions. And one was Petrofac, which, uh, you know, again, was something completely different as, as a startup. There was no yeah. treasury function at all. And, you know, I mulled it over for some some time. I remember sitting on a boat on my fortieth birthday in Lake Como, speaking <laughs> speaking to two of the companies who were both pressuring me for a decision. So, You know, it's it's funny how you reflect back on yeah on these things. But you know, with with I talked to a few people, got a, got some external perspective to to help, and you know, once I'd really thought about it, the right thing to do was the the sort of more challenging one, which again was was Petrofac. I turned the job down initially because they said. You need to go in to base yourself in the Middle East, and I said, "Look, part of the reason for my move is to come back to the to the UK." And the CFO called me one Sunday and said, "Look, why don't you give it a go? Why don't you go for a year, eighteen months? If you like us, we like you. Move yourself back to the to the UK." Hmm. For and, the safety now as well. Yeah, exactly. And It's a British company, but but the biggest part of the the business run out of the Middle East, so. Hmm hence a preference to have people on the ground there you know albeit with corporate roles and you know it was the right decision to to, to make so we moved directly from vienna to dubai so it couldn't be more of a contrast in terms of locations Uh, and from a very established role and company to a rapidly growing one and a, a treasury startup i was Simultaneously, group treasurer and group treasury T boy at the same time. <laughs> you know, so, it's fine. It was a very interesting challenge, very interesting place to be. And you know, frankly, having done, having had one international move and experience under my belt, making the second one was a lot easier. Just emotionally, it was a lot easier. Um, being prepared and accepting of, uh, of things being different um. and the unknown
0: was just a lot easier and you you went in and established this treasury, as you say from from scratch. What was that like in the you know for someone listening today, you know thinking, "Oh I'm, I might do that, or have I got the guts to do it?" you know what are the sort of elements of that that you think people need to think about or you know not temper in their minds, but what are the the key things? You sound like you're very open to this idea, although it's a brand new challenge. boom, you know you've done Vienna, now you're in the Middle East. You know, what are the things that you would if someone else was doing the similar move and they're saying, oh, Brendan, what should I do or what do I need to think about? What would you say?
1: Well, I think just you, you have to be prepared to be out of your comfort zone. That's that's the number one. Yeah. And you going to work in, in Vienna and you going to work in, in, in Dubai at the time were going to be different, but I couldn't articulate how they were going to be different. Yeah. And you just have to be open-minded and, you know, there's going to be some setbacks. My boss, when I moved to OMV, was a very experienced CFO. And he said, you know, you're going to go home some days and say, what the hell have I done? Why did I come here? And... Yeah. You know, my, my last day when I left the office, I was sat with him. I said, I remember, I remember you telling me that. And I said, there's there's plenty of days where I've gone home saying, you know, how are we going to deal with this situation? This is, this is stressful, but there isn't one single day I've gone home and said, I regret making the move to come here. So I think that's, that's kind of the attitude you have to, you have to have, you're going to have yeah. some setbacks. It's going to test your resilience. And, you know, you, you test your sort of your, your family and your support network, because uh-huh. this may, may sound like a small point, but, you know, moving, if you've grown up in an area, you've got a network of family and friends around, you suddenly overseas, your only network, it, it, in my case was my wife. Uh-huh. So, you know, you become all things to each other. Uh-huh. And, you know, that, that can be good, it can be bad, it can certainly uh, sort of test you out, but, it, it, you know, brings ease as a sort of family close together because you you're more reliant on on one another to help through the sort of the ups and downs i think that's what it is you have to expect that the ups will be a bit higher and the downs might be a bit lower
0: challenging yeah in terms of treasury you know diving into that you said it was a startup in those in those terms you know so what did you focus on what was your 90 day plan as it were or if, if you remember back that far but but just in general when you walked into that sort of environment because just want to do this briefly before we then you know, make that other move to AstraZeneca. But again, if someone's listening in and they're wanting tips, say, "Oh, actually, I'm going into a a fresh treasury, as it were." What's your ethos, if you like, around going into that?
1: The organisation has to be clear on what the mandate is. Yeah. You know, in, in this case, there's a clear mandate for for change and clear support from group CFO, who's my boss, downwards for change. So, you know, you have you have to have that that in place to help it be successful you you also I think have to be realistic because you know if you are if you are making changes and in that case there was an element of taking what had historically been totally decentralized and you know responsibility for things like bank facilities bank lines and all of that with the operating units and and centralizing it you're going to find some resistance to change from within the business so Again, it's not, it's not to say, look, that you're heading into a major conflict and a fight, but it is, it is a case of setting out a sensible plan and to be patient. And yeah. the way I approached it was to, to set out a plan and to identify what absolutely should be the responsibility of the new group treasury function where the policy boundaries lied and get all that agreed at the high level in the room with the the business units represented let's have the debate are we all agreed on this and then we can move forward and you know recognize you're not going to be able to do everything all at the same time and then there may be resistance from parts of the business and of course i and we experienced some of that as we went through but just to sort of work it through and you know you, you have to develop credibility so, you know, if people say, right, you, you take it on, that's fine, but you, you better do a better job than we've been able to do ourselves. And better job in some cases means cheaper price for the yeah. business. So and if, you, if you take it on and you don't deliver, then you're going to find more resistance. Again, you have to have the stomach for it. And sometimes to be firm and, and clear, manage expectations and 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 be patient. You, know, you might say, I want to wave my magic wand and have full centralization in a year. It isn't going to happen. Uh. But just start off with the basics, chip away at it, get the credibility, and then you move on to the next stage of, of, of building the team, building the the infrastructure to support what you need to get done.
0: And moving the right direction all the time as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. As you say. So you were there. What five years or so? Yes. Um, so you did five years Middle East. Why the move?
1: The key point, so we'd been outside of the UK for for eight years, then we wanted to come back for family reasons, to be closer to our parents as they get a bit older. So I could have relocated with my existing job, just moved, having sort of established the function and the, the treasury group in Dubai, I could have relocated myself back to London and done the job from there. But just the fact that you say, okay, I'm going through the process of having to make another family move, physical move, let's at least have a discussion externally with what other things might be, be available. And it just it coincided with a, a call regarding AstraZeneca. And obviously, having having worked in Pharma before, I, I knew what I was was going into. And again, also another great company, wow. FTSE 5, Corporate. And again, some real changes to make as a result of a, a relocation of the team. In that case, from London up to to Cheshire. So in the end, I enjoyed my Petrofax time very much and I enjoyed the people I worked with, good sort of prospects. But it was, it became a relatively straightforward decision to say, look, I have to make this move. It's a good opportunity, Uh, uh, good time to join. And going back into Big Pharma, you know, which which I'd spent 10 years and enjoyed in the past was quite attractive as well. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how it came about. So we moved then directly from Dubai to, to Cheshire.
0: Again, you know, for the people listening, AstraZeneca, it's a massive pharmaceutical that is walked in brand new team or where, where it was up to in its development stages?
1: Yeah, it, it, a lot of change in the team. The treasury function had historically been uh, based in central London, was relocated at the time I joined to Cheshire, where the, the group tax and group finance functions had been for some time. So A mixture, you know, a number of people were asked to and did relocate from London to Cheshire and a number of people didn't make the move and recruited locally in the Northwest. So, you know, clearly a period of lots of changes of personnel in the team. And again, another sort of physical move. So, you know, it's really the focus was not so much a radical overhaul of Treasury, which was, it was in good shape, systems, processes, ways of working. Embedding down a, a new group of people was a prerequisite there following the
0: move. And how did you do that? The, you know, we, we talked earlier about establishing and some, some of the stuff, the more practical things about a new Treasury. But, you know, what's, what's your people management ethos? Is it about just sitting down and getting to know everyone and being the the cuddliest, friendliest treasury you can be? Or how how do you actually do it?
1: Uh, I think it's it's, it's a bit of all things. Well, one, one I think, with all of this, you know, the whole sort of leadership angle, you have to be true to yourself. Absolutely. It's the wrong approach, in my opinion, to try and be who you aren't. You need to be sort of cog- cognizant of your natural style may need to be flexed from time to time. And, you know, I'd see myself as generally a, a fairly relaxed and sort of collegiate person, but certain situations call for a more direct approach, you know, you know we're going to sort of specifics, but there were some sort of specifics and things well, yeah. this is irritating. I, I, I don't want to see this, this way of working. I don't want to see this happening in the team. And, you know, people down had some robust discussions, Said that you know, this has to stop. I remember uh, an off site that we did in Chester over the course of a weekend where we set out the expectations. Uh, and I was clear what I expected of the team. We all went through our sort of individual strengths and weaknesses so we understood each other better not just sort of uh, a team bonding session, but a mixture of that sort of soft skills, if you like, and, and, and dedicating the time to, uh. to, to appreciating that everybody's different in the team. It, w- it was very helpful, and then. You know, we used it to have effectively a sort of a contract amongst ourselves, which was helpful. And we, you know, we used more than once subsequently to that, to, to calling out behaviours which which were not commensurate with what we'd agreed. So you have to be prepared to be robust. If you need to make changes, you, know, you need to make those changes. But sometimes you've got to work with what you've got, right? You might be, you might say, I want to change the entire team but i don't think that's the right approach i think working with what you've got developing people giving opportunities and over time you know opportunities will naturally present themselves to to, to change things around or give different people different exposures and, and, and frankly you need to obviously be cognizant of other people's development as well yes. and make sure people are getting those opportunities because if you don't they will leave they will get them elsewhere
0: We're there for that period of time, and then AstraZeneca moved, but you also then accompanied that with the the move to join Compass, and we'll sort of bring ourselves up to date there. And I think with Compass in particular, you can perhaps describe it yourself, but you know, in the recent times with COVID and everything else, you made a move, which you can describe if you would, and then with the sort of effect on, let's talk about perhaps pre-COVID and what you guys were doing, and then... During and then coping I think it's a lovely little sort of section of the show as it were because I think people will certainly really resonate with it as well because they'll probably be in very similar situations so you know you were there for again AstraZeneca for sort of three four year or three years and they moved and things and you know talk us through that if you would
1: yeah I don't mind saying a little bit sort of frustrating for for all of us to have of uh, have relocate on people relocated from London to Cheshire I moved internationally to to Cheshire to lead the team and then within sort of three years we were asked to relocate again to Cambridge that's quite a tough ask for people quite frankly and you know not just talking about the treasury function in other areas the the uptake of people wanting to make the second move was, was relatively low and yeah again it's frustrating it's a brilliant company great opportunity and we all enjoyed working there but personal logistics sometimes dictate what people would want to do professionally and that's what we're up against and I felt a little bit bad by uh, not making the move myself and choosing to leave but it's one of those things isn't it where do you want to locate yourselves and Cambridge might work for some people it doesn't work for for everybody that was difficult you know it's difficult to, to sort of maintain our performance as a function during another period of uncertainty people making life-changing decisions about whether to relocate or to move. And then as I was exiting, trying to recruit and help build the team, including my sort of successor in AstraZeneca, In Cambridge so you know a a tricky balance getting all of that right and and keeping positive throughout but you know my my personal uh, preference led me to make a change I didn't know much about Compass beforehand but global catering company we don't trade as as Compass Group but so you might not be familiar with the name people listening in but Uh, uh, you, you almost certainly have eaten our food in either in your office or if you've been to Wimbledon or Twickenham or Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and, you know, many other sort of international locations. So Global Catering Company, it was described to me as, look, this is not a caretaker role. We need to make some important changes to improve the the efficiency of the treasury operations. And that's precisely the path I and the team were on over the last couple of years before we, we hit COVID. And it's all, sort, all sorts of things, not not a false centralization, It's a very decentralised organisation, uh-huh. just in, improving the interaction between the center and the businesses so not not being reactive and firefighting but being proactive and uh, partnering putting in place a new cash pool new treasury management system overhauling policies etc cetera, etc cetera. and then just strengthening the the team and the the, the resilience and the capacity of the team succession planning and, and and all of this and we're making good progress and then obviously run into to the COVID situation. Obviously, this is a hospitality business. We found ourselves quite significantly impacted. And since the beginning of April, about 50% of our global business has been closed. So you need a significant shift into a in away from profit margins and incremental improvements to, to a real external and internal focus on liquidity covenants and you know, the, the, the things that are bread and butter to treasury professionals, but not necessarily to our board and IR colleagues who are talking to external community analysts and investors regarding you know things like liquidity and covenant tests and so on. So it was a very, very challenging period, obviously. Yeah, everybody, you know, many, many others are in the same uh, category, of course. We had to do a lot very quickly and you know, just just sort of reflecting back on it in that period at the end of middle of March, the office had technically closed. We'd gone into lockdown. The only yeah. people left in the office were the CEO, CFO, and a few of us from the treasury team, which probably tells you a lot about uh, where the focus was at the time. Our, our initial projections of what we thought we may need, and that was based on input from the businesses, of course. We came up with a number, our CEO said, you need to double it in terms of liquidity. You know, so, really? <laughs> you know, It's kind of sharp intake of breath. So we did a lot in a very short space of time, and just, just to sort of raffle them off, incremental credit facility, Bank of England, covid corporate finance facility we, we were i think the first uh, corporate to access that program at one minute past 10 <laughs> on the day
0: that the window opened for issuance you're doing the speed uh, this, the speed calling like you do for concert tickets you're like, hey,
1: it's us. yeah yes it, it exactly and I, I think that's that's the key thing here. It's sort of identifying where we were going and responding really rapidly you know okay every bank was being asked for additional liquidity you know, some of your, your banking partners, in our case, more helpful than, than others. It was pretty challenging to put credit facilities in place at the end of March this year. So we did that with the Bank of England facility, covenant waivers, and we'd negotiated our financial covenants from our bank facility last year. Smart move, but with, with hindsight, we had legacy covenants in our US private placements, which since initiation in 2011 had never had any airtime and we'd operated miles inside of those covenants all of a sudden yeah the latest projections say so you might have a an issue oh, so oh. going through the covenant waiver process as part of going concern debate for the half year end for the audit a lot of time spent with the board going through liquidity and our, our response, and then culminated in a two billion equity accelerated equity placing, which I, I think is the largest equity placing in in the UK, as a response to sort of COVID, and all that done in a sort of ten week period, which was you know continually intense and moving from one sort of stressful project to another but you know if, if you sort of as soon as you can re- reflect back on it you know I'm, I'm sort of I'm really proud of the the team for the resilience and the ability to, to step up when asked and you know, I said when we went into this when we first started working from home this is our time in the spotlight and we need to to step up and okay not every single person in the team w- was directly involved in all of the projects but even if people weren't they were picking up the slack where other people were focused on some of those crises projects. So it's yeah. it's, it's sort of a good indication of indication that good people in place with the right experience and frankly the right attitude to step up and to work with that immediacy and laser-like focus when it's when it's required. You know, yeah. and that, that for me is the most rewarding part of it. I think we were able to step up to the challenge and uh, really sort of helped put the company in a, in, a, in a good place. Now we've moved on to, there are plenty of challenges ahead, but at least liquidity, balance sheet, and all the things that we, we can control as a treasury team, we're in good shape on. So it's been, it was certainly challenging, definitely, um, but it was very re- rewarding to see
0: the response. And as you come out of it now, what, what are the sort of plans for the future? You know, who knows? We're slowly a return to normal, if that's the right way to put it but as we move forward how is the business recovering you know hows treasury sort of planning for the future something sort of
1: yeah, well, we, we don't have the crystal ball on when our business comes back. You know, we don't know when people will be back to mass sporting events. We don't know when people will be fully back into their offices eating our food. And, you know, and, and indeed, whether there are some structural changes with more working from home going forward, sort of changing the business model a bit. So all we've been able to do is to organize our balance sheet and liquidity, et cetera. To say, look, we're well placed to deal with it, even if it's this situation pertains for for many years to come. So that's the first thing we can do. I think we, you know, we have to take some learnings from all of this. And one that, you know, when push comes to shove, we can move more quickly. You know, sometimes big companies are sort of can be rightly accused of being a bit slow to make changes. But when you're really sort of faced with it, you can do things very rapidly. The right level of interaction across the business, so we shouldn't lose sight of, of of that going forward. And, you know, it's a reminder that we, we need to be as uh, efficient as we possibly can on, on the basics and yeah. f- free up our, uh, you know, the, I think the philosophy for us is use the technology that's available, automate, not the day jobs, but automate the processes as far as we can so that we can maximize using, you know, a relatively small re- resource. We're not, not a big team to better support the business. Yeah. And, you know, that, that has to be something we continue focusing
0: on going forward. How do you filter that? And again, just a bit in perspective, I sometimes talk about CFOs not pushing the treasurer under the bus, not the, but pushing you out in the front of being their filter for technology, being their filter for new initiatives and saying that, and we talked about this again, that you very much are at the forefront of a lot of financing and initiatives and this fresh technology and you're going, is this right? You're constantly looking at what would be the return on investment if we did move to this system, or is it driven by the business and that you actually need to implement this to make it work? Or what's the sort of thought process would you say?
1: I think it's hard, and I think it's getting increasingly hard with the way the technology is sort of developing. You know, one it's obviously a great enabler for some of the basics, but you know, if you take our situation, decentralized company, lots of different ERP platforms around the place. So no uniform ERP solution. So we're the opposite end of centralization when it comes to consistency of processing and access to information. So obviously, that's, that's a business issue. It's not something we could necessarily drive from the Treasury side. So we have to sort of step back and say, well, what, what's important to us? Where where can we add some some value? So we, we put just just as a small example, we put in place a notional cash pool over the last couple of years and it might not be you know, sort of seen as state of the art and full physical centralization of cash but it reflects our organization and is a relatively quick win effort to put it in but it's a relatively quick win to get right. most of the benefits without disrupting what's going on in the business so you know you have to be sort of proportional you have it won't be the same for everyone some people listening to that will say well, why would you possibly have a, a notional cash pool these days but it worked for us it got us most of the benefits with minimal disruption around the business and yeah. in, a, in, a, in a low margin business and this hospitality is a low margin business, you know, you have to be efficient with what you do. I think sort of picking between how the technology is developing, we we are still at the point of putting in an upgraded treasury management system is our sort of core system. And hopefully with the yeah, we've got that decision right. And hopefully with the capabilities to build and integrate going forward with that system, you know, yeah. that's you can't do everything all at the same time. So you know, we have sort of broken down it. to Let's do the cash pool. Let's do the treasury management system. And then let's see where we are yeah. and see how it evolves from there.
0: We're coming towards the end of the show, and what we'll do is we'll put on the we'll put Brendan's LinkedIn profile in the show notes. But before we get your top three tips, if you like, for people if they want to you know follow a similar career to yourself, but just back from that just for a moment, you know, just with yourself, you've been through this amazing journey of treasury, and it's taken you around the world literally. Again, you know, what are your thoughts just on being a treasurer and why it's such a, a great profession? Because we talked about this, and it, we were just saying that it's a, it's a blessing and a curse sometimes as well you know we were just talking about the fact that you know all treasurers do exactly the same job the same way with the same title and they don't you know it's all different ways and different challenges which is in itself is fantastic but you then came up and we were then talking about you were saying that it it literally has been the way to take you around the world as a person so just reflecting on that for the listeners today what are your thoughts
1: well i think what first attracted me when when i had that first discussion before i moved into to treasury sort of over 20 years ago now the, the things that i felt attracted me at the time it's like it's 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 forward-looking it's, it's externally focused it's highly international you know if you're in a, a large international group of course and it's impacted by external events which you know can can make it challenging but it also makes it very relevant you know what, what's going on in the wider world to a lesser or greater extent, has an impact on on what we do. I like the external focus. You know, the re, the relationships with whether it's with banks, other stakeholders, rating agencies. It's just it's it's another dimension to the role. And I think being in the the corporate HQ gives you sort of excellent insight to the the business. Obviously, you have good access to to senior leaders and and the board that's a lot of that's a lot of individuals that I interact with on a day to day basis where you know you're continually learning from. And whether that's sort of business knowledge, technical knowledge, or just, you know, their leadership approach. And I think it's a it's a great place to see all of that. And, you know, good level of internal collaboration as well. You know, one of, the, one of the things we work closely with other corporate functions and with other parts of the business as well. You know, each of the, each of the countries across, we got four, we're in 45 countries and have interaction with, with all of them from time to time. And I think also you need, there is an ability to make a real difference, you know, whether that's financially, we've tweaked around with our FX and, and interest policies and delivered some material Savings as a result, yeah. you know, same on the insurance side, efficiency of operations you know you can, you, if we can make our lives easier and the, the lives easier of, of all of our operating companies around the group, then so much the better so I think all the principles of of what happens in in treasury, what we do, the risks that we manage somewhat similar to when I started, the way we go about it is is quite different now with with more technology and as you say, you know, this is a transferable skill to a lesser or greater extent. Every large company will need a treasury resource. And, you know, as, as I've sort of proven to myself and evidence of, you, you can do this role in pretty much any country, language barriers aside, and pretty much any sector. The nuances and the specifics will be different. But, you know, having that sort of transferable skill is, you know, I I've, I've found sort of has uh, been it, it's, it's helped have a really sort of rewarding and interesting interesting career and i can't really see that changing for treasury professionals now
0: does that give you all three tips or everything else i mean we will put your linkedin profile in the show notes i did not want to interrupt because i thought it was, it was great but you know if, if someone is looking at that you know what what would you more on a just a real individual basis to so say you're sitting there and again a lot of our uk listeners tend to be earlier on in their careers more treasury manager level wanting to one day get your role and Some of the US listeners, which are a big part of the listenership as well, you know, they will have listened into your war stories and some of the stuff you've talked about, because that's, again, when I've spoken to them, they said, that's what we want to hear about, Mike. But maybe for the earlier, those listeners earlier in their careers, what, what sort of tips would you give or what, you know, what summaries would you say?
1: Yeah, I think three things. I mean, one, get involved. I think that's that's the key thing people should focus on doing in their current roles. I would encourage people, and I do encourage people, irrespective of their level, I think people should be able to talk with with confidence about what the function does, what's important, what are the key or topical issues and how they impact the business? Because if people aren't thinking in that way, they're not you're trying to understand the business and be able to articulate it. Let's just say you were stuck in a lift with the CEO and they said, "Well, what's going on in treasury?" People should be knowledgeable, irrespective of who they are and where they sit in the the treasury hierarchy. That that level of curiosity, if you like, I think is is, is key. Secondly, I would encourage people to get as broad an experience is possible, whatever that means, do different roles in the function, move around, don't say, oh, I don't have any experience to do that. Either get the opportunity or do some job shadowing or do some uh, uh, sharing or put in place a buddy system where, you know, you cover from somebody when they're on 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 leave or or something like that just to broaden your experience. And thirdly, it doesn't necessarily have to mean changing jobs, but in my case, that certainly benefited me significantly you know we talked a bit about the international experience that that's a bonus but it does definitely increase your confidence your ability to deal with different situations and i just sort of reflect as like, i was much better prepared to deal with this coronavirus crisis than i was the financial crisis in in 2008 simply right. because I've got a lot more experience and picked up a lot of a lot more sort of scars along the way and just, you know, have the sort of confidence and robustness to deal with it. And and over and above that, changing jobs might sound scary. It might not be the easiest you know, the easy thing might be to do is to stay put, but you know, I, I found it hugely rewarding as well. You know, it's a steep learning curve. Each time you you make a move, particularly if you're going into something unfamiliar, but something if, if you adopt it with the right attitude, one, it will benefit your career significantly, and two, you know, you find it hugely rewarding. You just have to be flexible and accept the ups and the downs.
0: Yeah, well, great summary there. So make sure you understand the business. So if you bump into the CEO in the lift, love that one. Don't be afraid to work across roles, so you you know cross train, as it were. And as you say, don't be afraid to make the move when needed. And It'll prepare you for the future. Amazing. Great final summary there from Brendan. Um, Mr. Boucher, thank you for your time today. Been truly just a natural flow to it. And I really enjoyed it as, as I do with a lot of the shows, but we've known each other for many years. But I just think it just sort of flowed. I think there were so many sections that people can just grab value from whether it's about managing people managing a crisis you know we could well we'll release some of these as little mini excerpts sort of thing which people can listen out for so that all remains thank you very much sir been great to chat thank you Mike thank you sir so I hope you enjoyed that that was an amazing conversation with Brendan Boucher still the group treasurer of Compass Group But that was two years ago. Now, I'm bringing Brendan back to the show today. We're picking up the story from there. And at that time, we were turning a corner and Brendan and I were just talking off air then about some of the things that happened since then. You know, the new, you know, coming back to the office, working from home. I'm not going to give too many leaders with that, except say, welcome back, Brendan. Talk us through, maybe pick up the baton from there on for the next lap of the story. Over to you, sir.
1: Thanks, Mike. As we were just discussing offline, I think it's amazing to think that two years have passed since we last formally spoke. I think clearly, August 2020, the world was still in the grip of the pandemic. I think the the core initial actions that the treasury team at Compass had to focus on were kind of mostly done by August 2020, but doesn't mean the business wasn't still in a phase of recovery, which it it clearly was. We still had lockdowns in different parts of the world. The pandemic was still a significant factor for the global contract catering Business and our job has been from that date up to now to continue to support business in the best way that we can. That's the most fundamental thing, you know, to a certain extent, have been able to get back to the the business business as usual of what we were wanting to do in Treasury, you know, continual improvement. We've implemented our new Treasury management system that was on hold during the pandemic. We've now done a first upgrade of that. We've refreshed policies and procedures at board level and communicated those. We've completed and now recently issued a sustainable financing framework for the first time. We are starting to get back to the ability to do support in country, banking RFPs. And clearly, in the last couple of years, that hasn't been possible in many markets. The markets have been still dealing with the aftermath of the pandemic operationally without any bandwidth to do, you know, the projects that we would want to do, like sort out which bank we're using in Germany, for example. So we've had to be a little bit patient and yeah. just listen and, and work in response to what capacity the business has had. So there's a lot going and, on. That's, that's and, the key.
0: And your food and beverage services, we said that in the main show before, started, you know, FTSE 100, recovering strongly, you're seeing that. You know, we, there's been lots of press over here about cancelled flights, but everyone not being able to upskill up, re-recruit people post-pandemic. For you guys, is that, you, know, you started to see everyone flooding back and eating because again, with and that feeds into working from home. If people aren't going back into the office so much, there's less need for... Food and support services around that, or are you seeing that being more flexible? How's that working for you guys? Well, business-wise, at the just to put it into
1: context, in April 2020, 50% of our global business was closed. So that was how significant the impact of the pandemic was on our business. If you look at the most recent results, our quarterly trading update to the end of June 2022, we're back above pre-pandemic levels levels in terms of revenue, but it's been that long. So it's been a steady Im- increase between the lows of April 2020 through to, if you like, April 2022, but we're now back trading above 100% of pre-pandemic revenues, which is a pretty sort of astonishing recovery in yeah. a pretty short space of time. I think, to your point, if you think about the the sectors in which we operate, some were clearly more impacted by the pandemic than others. We we we, op- we operate in business and industry, as you as you rightly say, people. So this is catering in offices, factories, distribution centres, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Well, no one was working from their office for a period of time, so you know that 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 part of the business didn't quite grind to a standstill because you know factories, etc. were still able to to operate, but you know clearly significantly impacted that. Business sector has not fully recovered. It's not quite back at one hundred percent, but it's mm. you know in the, in the ninety percents and heading back. So, whilst there is more working from home, clearly, and that is set to stay, I think clearly, you know the model has changed a little bit. You know, pe- what what we're seeing is people are. When they are in the office, they're spending a bit more time in the office. And food is a very sort of powerful social tool. So when people are together, they like to eat together. Mm. And they're spending more time eating and they're spending more money on eating. So to a certain extent, that's uh, that's helpful for the to make up for the lost volumes. What we've also seen is people using, and this is our clients using, Uh, food as a tool to attract people back to their offices. A number of our clients in the city have have moved to to free food. Mm -hmm. We ourselves in, in Compass have actually moved in our head office to free food. And it isn't purely... A tactic to get people back to the office but it, it's it's helpful to encourage people back to the office i think it's a nice it's a nice touch to enable people to you know spend more time collaborating and eating drinking when they are in the office so you know that that's that's the business and industry side but if you think about the other sectors in which which we operate sports and leisure yeah well that that grounds to 100 percent to zero at the the height of the pandemic that has recovered very very strongly You, know, if, if you're if you're a sports fan we do we do a lot of stadiums in the uk wimbledon for example and the same around the globe particularly in north america and as as people have been able to to go back to their events they've done so with a huge amount of enthusiasm and you know they've had a bit of a few pounds or dollars in their pockets and they've put it to work spending when they go and watch the the baseball or uh, the football or whatever it happens to be, so that's bounced back very strongly. In in other areas, we you know, we op- we operate in healthcare and seniors, so hospital, senior care, living, etc. That's been resilient or more resilient, as you'd expect, through the through the pandemic and so on. So you know, it's it's been varied depending on different parts of the business, but I think the overall message is the business has recovered very strongly from a they're pretty, pretty challenging time when half of our, our global business was shut in April 2020.
0: I think also, I don't know if it's directly relevant, we, I was talking to a client candidate the other day. We would just we said, oh, you know, what about you guys? And you know, very similar to you. He said, well, all of your business was hit. I said, yeah, it was. And it was a tough time. But also, everybody's business was hit. If it was just us having a 50% cut in revenues, but also our competitors we're having the same, and mm. we certainly became match fit. You know that was one of the things we did. Right, we'll get this done. We'll sort this out. And it sounded like, again, you and I have spoken about this, Brenda. That you were in a similar situation. It wasn't just you. If it was just you in that situation, when then that's an issue. Whereas, if the entire sector, the entire world, exactly, you know, the entire sector was down, then as you said, you're now coming out of it and you've improved yourselves. And thinking about that, this this you know you touched on it there about working from home a little bit more. How are you seeing that affect you guys in treasury per se?
1: Working from home is 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 here to stay to some extent, yeah. and I personally think mo- most people would uh, will appreciate the additional flexibility of of being able to work from home, whether it's one, two, or even three days a week. It's, a lot of people have long commutes. A lot of people would uh, will uh, appreciate the additional flexibility. You know, my personal view is I p- prefer to be in the office, you know, having had a chunk of t- time over the last few years working from home than a chunk of time working back in the office. I prefer the interaction with my colleagues face to face, not just with the team, but with with the wider organization. I, you know, I prefer work being work and home being home to a, to a greater extent. But... The flexibility, I think, is the key. And, and, and from my perspective, having the right culture in place in your team or your, your organization is far more important than being stringent about saying, well, thou shalt you be in the be. office yeah. X days a week. I mean, we, we we as an organization, our head office said philosophically, we should be together more than we're apart. And so take that as aim for three days a week in the office. But it's, it's clearly it's not policed. It's not mm. it's not rigid most people, I, I think, have, have been happy with that. Most people want to come to the office. We all enjoy the interaction. We try to create a good work environment. I think most people appreciate you You, you could learn more, you can pick things up. It's easier to to keep the communication going when you, know, you see people at least a couple of times a week. And I think that's the key to it. If If you weren't seeing your colleagues or your teammates or your your wider business colleagues from week to week, then I think you, you get out of touch quite quickly. But if, even if you're just sort of touching in once or twice a week, then I think that's probably a pretty good place to be. I'd be hesitant to say anyone would, or many people would be demanding five days a week in,
0: in, in the office going forward. Well, again, and I think, yeah, you qualified that very well, actually. I was going to re-qualify, but didn't need to, because as you say, and this is one of the, you know, both Brendan I touched on this, there's a, an ex-client of ours, and please say, who was saying, must be, you've got five positions open, three of them, I think, yeah, five, five of them, two of them in London, two of them in New York, and one in Singapore, right, five days a week in the office, must be in the office. And, that, you know, that must be, you know, not for any business reason, but maybe for an ultra-control thing or whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't want to work with them. You know, the, mm-hmm. if they would have caught, us in, look, and, and we've already said this with, we recently had another client who said, oh, we're a bit more paper based, we're a bit more traditional like that. Right. And it must be five days a week in the office. And it was much more uh, sort of not entrusting people and everything else. This was a more junior role that Craig was going to work on a treasury manager. And this must be like this. And he just simply said, he said, well, my thoughts are this, Mike. I went, I agree, <laughs> we're out. Because we just Mm. said, do you know what? That's not the kind of clients we need or want to work with. Not least, Sally. we're going to struggle to fill the job and we're going to let them down. But more, we don't do that as a business. You know, we have Carly who now works 100% remotely because she prefers that. She doesn't live that far from the office. That's her working style. We see her quite regularly whenever she wants to, but that's what she prefers I'm not going to regulate it. I don't need to. You know, there's no need. It's it. You know, there's that flip side of when we do need to, see we do need to, but we don't all the time. And you're, yeah. you're the same, though, aren't you? I think that's right. I mean, yeah.
1: pre-pandemic, not many people would have said, look, let's let's test our disaster recovery or business continuity plan by working from home throughout an e- a year end or a month end or, or whatever the. the the key pinch points are but we did that we proved it's possible which is a good place to be so uh, i think you you want people who want to work as a team i think that's really important in in treasury it doesn't mean everyone has to be in the office face to face i mean just two examples Hmm. from, from my recent past we had a global leadership conference face to face in london about a month ago with 350 odd people from around the group that that proved the power of personal communication you know having not been able to do those events for a while that was sort of incredible clearly is a benefit of getting people together but you know on the other hand we, we just completed a a, a virtual investor roadshow you know people in different locations is a very efficient way of doing that type of activity people not having to travel transatlantic and you know spend two or three days traveling around different locations to get to different meetings, you can just do them back mm. to back to back in an afternoon. So I think, yes, you know, so, it's so two, two, two recent anecdotes from from my side, which show both can work if you
0: use them appropriately at the right time. Yeah, exactly. As I say, fit for purpose, appropriate, right time. Great way to describe it. Well, anyone that's listened today, they've already listened to the first show. We're into this sort of follow-up, so I'm not going to take too much more of your time. The looking to the future now, we've been through this. We talked about it. You and I then just, it's not been a recession per se. You know, this has been a predictable pandemic. It's been tragic and, and everything else. But now as businesses recover in this new fitter format sort of thing going forward, where do you see it? What are what are the things that you think you know? There are conferences coming up, exactly as you say, or you know, what are you getting the guys in the team to focus on, or you as a treasurer? What are you? What are the things that you're thinking about going forward? Well, I think I mean, there's always a lot going on in in, in our our business.
1: You know, we've remained decentralized. We've been through all of the you know the pandemic downside and up the other side. We're, we're growing very strongly, so you know, there's there's always a lot going on. You know, fundamentally, always sort of describe ourselves, we are a support function. So, our, you know, our fundamental job is to continue to support all the changes that are going on around the business, whatever they may be. And, you know, our priorities sort of change on a you know, weekly or monthly basis and they, they, they need to, we need to be that nimble. So, you know, we need to continue to, to focus on, yeah, well, I think, you know, Treasury has always been an area of continual improvement, but and we're, we're no different to that. And so continuing to develop How we use technology. We, we, as I said before, we put a a new treasury management system in place that went live after the, after once we were back in the office post pandemic. We've now done a a first upgrade of that. So, but it doesn't mean you can just sort of leave it on the shelf, right? We've got lots of lots of things that were either deprioritized or just weren't possible to do with the first implementation. But we need to. So we've you know, we spent a lot of time, money and an effort on putting it in place. So we need to continually enhance that. We've we've got a global notional cash pool in place. We didn't get chance pre-pandemic to turn on all of the automatic sweeps. So we need to go back and, and do that. One thing that we kind of recognised as a as a bit of deficiency across our corporate centre during the pandemic is, is our capability in terms of business modelling. You know, mm-hmm. the basic consolidations in place, yes. But, you know, above that, a lot of use of complex spreadsheets, a little bit, you know, individual point person risk and not not particularly joined up. So, again, another opportunity for us to use more modern technology to improve the the, the resilience and automation and speed of which we can collaborate. I think you know, that aside, we need to continue to develop the team. You know, unfortunately, we've got a sort of strong and stable team in place but we need to make sure that we are bringing our treasury managers through that they're getting enough exposure they're getting it involved they're getting good opportunities getting good experience because you know as you, as you know in your business mike if people don't get that internally they will go elsewhere hmm. and this is not specific to treasury but it encompasses a business you know we re- recruit a lot of chefs obviously and and people into our operations and we, we always say Compass should be a career for life there should be opportunities for mobility to progress you know we have a number of people who joined our organization as chefs who are now running managing directors regions or or, or countries so you know there's, there's should be endless opportunity and really the same should apply in the treasury space so I think we need to never lose sort of sight of that we need to keep giving opportunities there's always a lot going on in the, in the business so there's no reason why in our relatively small team you know, and everyone shouldn't get good exposure to to everything. So we need to continue to sort of focus on that. Yeah, I think, I think we've got a bit more of a role to play in in the whole sort of sustainability agenda. We set up a sustainable finance working group, which we thus far have chaired from Treasury. There's a huge amount more we still need to do in that space. You know, whether it's it's sort of reporting, uh, getting the right disciplines in place, or in just continuing to drive sustainability agenda you know it's, it's clearly of a sustainability team but i think as many people will recognize the work around this is coming into sort of mainstream finance and i think your know, treasury has a role to play there particularly if you're linking financing to to sustainability going down the down the track so there's one of the things that i've always found interesting about treasury is always uh, evolving it's always changing we're never whenever bored there's always a lot to do and you know i see the same going forward frankly
0: and again, final great words there from you, Brendan. But what I'm going to do is, uh, again, leave, give you the final say. So final takeaway, if you like, for anyone that's listening today, they've heard first show, heard second show, um, they caught up with you. You know, What do you think about? What's what's, what's the final words to those treasury professionals out there?
1: Well, I think just to sort of reflect, one of the the, the things that attracted me to, to treasury in the first place, and I've been doing it for quite a number of years now, was the fact that it's forward looking it's external what's going on in the outside world has a real impact on what we're doing in in, in the function in the company day to day and if you just look at what's happened over the last few years clearly the the pandemic in our case at least had a massive impact on on the business and a massive impact on 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 treasury and what we we're able to do so you know the, the ability to work through that really provide a high degree of sort of value and resilience to the company with our you know do, doing the treasury basics extraordinarily well during that period is something I look back you know when I finally retire with pride on how we how we went through it. But even now you know rampant global inflation has a a clear impact on our business, on financial markets. You've seen it with sort of going from, you know, virtually zero interest rates in the main currencies. That's changed significantly and we've had to functionally adapt and and work with that tested the sort of resilience of our our policies in a rapidly changing world. So you know all of the things I found interesting when I uh, when I first thought about moving into Treasury, I still find interesting now. And I think you know to sum up, that's what makes it a a really rewarding career because it's very dynamic, it's ever changing, and there is a real opportunity to make a difference. So you know, and, and anyone listening, you know, I think uh, Treasury is an amazing place to spend your career.
0: Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe depending on where you listen, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or another great place to listen to the show from. It's totally free and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show. And maybe whilst you're there, you could even leave a quick review. Reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank. And as you can probably appreciate, the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week. It'd be amazing. Just take, say, 20 seconds, leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and I can't wait to see you soon.